Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook Podcast. The Different Skill Notebook is a tool for parents and educators to equip children and teens with the social, emotional, and independent skills needed to thrive in their life. The Different Skill Notebook is the result of the work of Dr. Sandra Savinelli and Anand Salma at the Social Mind Center. They found that parents and educators cannot always identify the skills needed to overcome some of the barriers that the child is experiencing to learning and thriving. The notebook identifies the different skills, tools, and resources needed to overcome some of the learning barriers and differences that are experienced by children and teens today. These are different times, requiring different skills and tools. Join us as we share our smart conversations with our parents, educators, and colleagues to give children the life skills and social adaptation needed to thrive in environments that keep changing. Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook. My name is Anna Anselma and I'm your host. If this is your first time joining us at the Different Skill Notebook podcast, we go over skills needed to help your child or teen thrive or young adult. Today, we're going to discuss whether to medicate or not medicate your child. Um, In the last two episodes, we discussed anxiety and managing anxiety in high school and in college. And we're going to be continuing that series. There's so many aspects to that series. We discussed um, medications very uh, briefly. So I wanted to kind of do an intro to medication. Uh, There's so many layers to making a decision whether your child should be medicated or not. It's a very serious decision as well. So I kind of want to take you Um, into the process at our center when we have these conversations. So in the center, um, as the administrator to the Social Mind Center, I am in charge of all client relations, uh, client training, and we do a lot of individualized training consults and just a lot of individualized consultations with clients. We think that's probably the best way to get to know someone's child and their needs. And that's so important in establishing a learning profile and an intervention profile, rather than making the assumption that every neurodiverse child is the same. So we're definitely not a one-size-fits-all center. We're very customized. I would say we're as boutique as you get. Our product is very unique and it also respects the needs of the client and the parent. If the parent wants, we give parents as much information and support as they need. And we also give them as much space as they need. So in this dynamic of my client relations, I've, I've had hundreds of conversations about medication. So I want to just kind of walk you through what we discussed during those conversations and how to best take the steps forward to considering whether your child and investigating whether your child needs medication or not. I don't think anyone wants to medicate their child or anyone's thrilled about it. I think there are circumstances that bring us to that. And one of the main circumstances that bring us to that is um, whatever symptoms your child is experiencing, they're a barrier to their learning. And without learning, a child cannot thrive. 
So a child cannot be happy and a child cannot live a healthy, productive life. So this is why we come to this situation. I don't think anyone really wants to medicate their child. I think it's easier to medicate your child when they have the flu or when they have a sickness, a cold. I think when it comes to mental health and neurological challenges and neurological differences, it's more invisible. The core deficit or diagnosis or condition that's leading to these symptoms is more invisible. And all we see is the behavior. So we diagnose most children through behaviors, uh, behavioral observations, and there are diagnostic tests. And we'll talk about that, right? So, so what are some of these symptoms that um, can be a barrier to learning? And the first one is attention. And we know that there's a lot of children that struggle with attention. There's children with um, diagnoses like ADHD and autism, anxiety disorders. There's some learning disabilities that impact learning and um, learning differences. So I think attention's number one. I would say second, it's a tie between, well, if your child has ADHD, they're going to have attention issues. And there's other, there's other symptoms that come into play with ADHD. Not everyone that has ADD or ADHD looks the same or has the same significance of symptoms. There are different symptoms that are more pronounced than others. The same with autism, the same with anxiety. So I would say attention, we can include ADHD in there because most people with ADHD have attention issues, but not all people with attention issues have ADHD. Um, that's important to know. I think the second one would be anxiety because anxiety um, can really be paralyzing sometimes and it can impact the clarity of mind and your ability to act in certain situations and your ability to think and act in certain situations. And then I think third would be self-regulation issues, which is impulse control and emotional regulation. Some children with ADHD have one of these two symptoms more pronounced, impulse control or emotional regulation and attention. So, but those are things that can really get in the way of learning and they can cause a lot of uh, disruption in the child's learning, disruption in the classroom and just disruption in their life. So um, all of these require having attention, having emotional regulation allow us to organize our mind and body to learn. So when your child has a challenge in organizing their mind and body, they're going to have difficulty learning and staying focused and on task for long periods of time. There's also irritability, depression, and cognitive inflexibility. Cognitive inflexibility can happen with anxiety. A lot of people that have anxiety get in a thinking loop and they get stuck so they're not able to act very effectively. Um, also, cognitive inflexibility can make you have difficulty shifting, transitioning. Transitions are very important in school. So these are some of the symptoms. Now, what do we do with these symptoms? Like how do we know, you know, what to do next with some of these symptoms? And I think what's important is it's important to know the intensity and the frequency of these symptoms because we can all have anxiety. We can all have attention issues. We can all have self-regulation issues. A lot of adults have difficulty organizing their mind and body to be productive. 
some of us are more productive than others. And some of us need, it, it comes naturally to us. And then some of us have really difficult time getting organized. So we have all these organizational tools. Well, the same applies for children. So it's important to note when is it a situation of high concern? And like I said earlier, is it a barrier to learning? Is your child learning to the best of their ability? Are they getting all the information, tools to thrive at whatever developmental age they're at? Because, you know, it also depends whether you're in kindergarten or you're a senior, right? There's different developmental stages and there's typical attention spans for those for those ages. So, you know, I would say that it's important to know, you know, what is the intensity and what is the frequency, right, of these um, symptoms that you see. And the best way to go about it is to really, you know, say, take a week or two and say to yourself, I'm just going to write this down. I'm going to write down all the things that I think I see in my child that I think they might need more support. And this is without even making the decision of um, medication. You're just gauging, is this a significant amount of intensity and frequency that they require more support? They need more help. Because there are other things that we can do to help a child build attention. And I, I want to talk about that first before we even get into um, the medication piece. When a child has difficulty self-regulating, this is without a diagnosis. This is just, they struggle with this. They struggle to get up in the morning, get organized, to get dressed and get out for school. And a lot of kids struggle with this. It doesn't need to be a diagnosis. I would say that they need some kids, this is an area of their strength, and some kids, this is an area of their weakness. If it's an area of weakness for your child, then you need to make sure that externally in your home and at school and wherever they're expected to stay on task and be productive, right, and organize their mind and body independently, they need external systems to support them in that because internally they're not able to organize their mind and body and align it in order to get these things done at the speed and in the time frame that is required of them for whatever developmental phase they're in in their life, right? There's different requirements for kindergarten and senior year, right? And there's different speeds and there's different um, skill demands. So if you're seeing there's significant struggle, they may need more support systems. They may need more order around them. They may need more structure. They may need strategies to call their attention, to help them be more organized and stay on task. And these that's a whole nother separate episode. And I already have a few podcasts on self-regulation and how to help your child with different tools, but there are an endless amount of those. And it's about finding the ones that work for them. So the idea for you to recognize is that your child will need external organizational systems to support their regulation. This is as well for coping, calming and anxiety and things that help that you can do is have order in your home, have consistency, predictability for them, have advanced notice. So this requires you to adapt these systems as well. 
Also, they're in school, there's individual education plans, IEPs. They're smaller classrooms. Perhaps your child is not in the right school. They need a different educational setting that provides additional structure and additional individualized support, especially in the earlier years. So you can develop these skills in them. Um, so that they can help themselves more, right? It's about teaching. When there's executive function difficulties in a child, meaning they have difficulty with impulse control, cognitive flexibility, and working memory, that's executive function, um, they're going to need additional tools. They're not just going to wake up one morning and self-organize, right? So they may need more movement to self-regulate. The child may have sensory issues. They may need a sensory diet to organize their body. They may need to exercise more. They may need um, core work, like in swimming. Building your core helps you organize your body and your mind. A strong core helps you with things like writing, um, calming yourself, better coping. So consistency and repetition is key for a child that is having difficulty organizing themselves and attending so that if they have a routine that's repeated, it's going to be easier for them to remember what's the next step. Interventions, you can see a therapist, whether it's counseling, whether depending on the need of your child, um, they can help your child build these systems if you're having a difficult time and help you build the system in your home. I would see a psychologist or a social worker, a counselor, someone that has an expertise in this area. I would not say this is a behavioral therapist. I would say it's a psychologist because you want them to teach your child and you the systems needed. This isn't only about focusing about the behavior. It's about focusing on the skills that are missing in your child that lead to behaviors that are not um, conducive to learning, right? So there's other reasons also. Why is it so important to pay attention to these um, symptoms and to document them and to make sure that you have a clear understanding. And maybe sometimes you can't put a symptom to their behavior and that's where you can see somebody that can guide you with that. And we'll talk about what kind of doctors, but um, you need to make sure that if your child is having symptoms that are disruptive to their learning, you have a name for those symptoms is it attention? Is it anxiety? And I can give you an example. A lot of our kids at the center have attention and anxiety. So it's really hard sometimes to peel back. Is it the anxiety causing the attention difficulty or is it an attention difficulty that's causing the anxiety? So sometimes it's important to write down when does my child have these difficulties? Like what time during what time during their day? What, what task or situation are they in? And what's the time frame? What's the expectation? You know, they're in kindergarten, so they might need to hold their attention for 10 minutes. They can't do it. They can only hold their attention for two minutes. It's harder when it's during reading and not math. All these little details matter, especially if you're going to consider medication or go talk to somebody just to see what um, are the parameters of medicating, right? The doctors that you would go to are either a behavioral pediatrician who specializes just in this, in identifying these symptoms and identifying the source of the symptoms, even perhaps leading you to exploring a diagnosis. Maybe your child has never been diagnosed um, and they need to be diagnosed and then they'll walk you through that path. A lot of behavioral pediatricians, 
diagnose themselves. They may ask you to go for additional testing to a psychologist and take an ADOS, which is a test that diagnoses autism, or they may ask you to get testing for attention deficit. A psychiatrist um, can also guide you in that process. A neurologist can guide you in that process. And sometimes they will guide you to the process that I just mentioned, setting up systems to see if these systems minimize the symptoms first and your child is able to manage without medication if you don't have these systems in place, right? If you get a diagnosis and then your child, you're getting a more detailed scope of where the weaknesses are, then you can see a therapist and they can guide you with an intervention plan to help your child. So there's a lot of before points to medication. So what drives you to the consideration of medication, I would say is Your child is having significant difficulty in school, at home, with behaviors. And it's important, not just in my personal experience, academics isn't the all end all be all. I think it's the most important thing to parents nowadays. My child is academically performing. But there's also other aspects of safety, self-esteem, your your child's ability to have confidence in their ability to learn. When they struggle with attention or anxiety um, or self-regulation, they feel very self-defeated. Like, I keep trying, I keep trying, and I can't do it, and I can't do it. And you really need to respect that need because I don't think that any child wants to fail. I don't think any child wants to go to school and struggle all day to attend I really think we need to remove, now that we have so much information on neurodiversity and the brain and different ways that different conditions can impact our learning and impact our behavior, I think we need to move away from that mindset. I think it's very ignorant and I think it's archaic to think that any child wants to come to school to fail and not fit in and not want to thrive. Every child wants to thrive. So if your child is not thriving, then you need to pay attention to why they're not thriving. And it's not just they're behaving bad and they need consequences or they need um, behavioral therapy. I think they, you need to get down to the symptom. What is the symptom? And the symptoms that are impacting their attention a lot, a hundred percent of the time have a core. What's the core source to that symptom? Do they have anxiety? That's your core. So you're going to see all these symptoms resulting from anxiety, like lack of clarity, an inability to focus, inability to get moving, to get started in your day. Um, Some children have paralyzing social anxiety. They don't want to be in a group. That is something to attend to. That is not a behavior, right? If a child is not able to focus for more than five minutes and they're in third grade, that is something to attend to. That is not just a behavior, right? And these um, symptoms require intervention, require attention, require systems in place to help your child manage themselves. And more importantly, for your child to learn, I have a weakness in this area and I need help in this area and I need support in this area. I need help from adults. I need systems in place to remind me of things. And I don't know why parents are so adverse to this when they have 
thousands of organizational tools just on our smartphones now. All parents have a phone, but they sometimes struggle to give their child additional tools because I don't know what that would look like. Well, the same way it looks for you being on your phone continuously because you need a thousand reminders and you need a thousand alarms to get through your day, your child may need the same thing. If you need additional information on considering medication or taking the first steps, Our center offers free consultations uh, to discuss and review some of these um, steps that I've discussed. And also we will have the notes on our podcast so you can review some of this information and uh, you need a recommendation on a doctor or you just need help walking you through the process, we would be more than happy to. You can reach me on my website, www.socialmindcenter.com and you could schedule a consultation or consultation calendar is on there. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to our next few episodes where we're going to explore um, some specific strategies to anxiety management, but we're also going to explore depression and depression in um, teens and young adults. Thank you. Thank you for joining us at the Different Skill Notebook. The script is available on the Podbean site and at socialmindcenter.com. We can also be reached through our website.